Good evening, Lake Church. Is this thing on? Hello. <laughs> All right, well, good evening, Lake Church. It's good to see everybody out tonight. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Ephesians tonight. I uh, just want to ask you to to join with me as we believe with Pastor tonight. He's trying to wrap this book up, so let's... Uh, Let's help him out. <laughs> you know how preachers are. Uh, they need all the help. We need all the help we can get to kind of just keep moving along. And I know he's wanting to wrap it up for you guys in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, so let's uh, welcome our online audience. Give them a big Lake Church welcome. We're honored to have you tune in with us tonight. I want to just share with you uh, a couple of announcements as we get started. Um, this Friday night is the train family night. If you don't know about this, we have cards out in the commons and there is a sign up. They're going to be serving hamburgers that night. So they need to know how many people are coming. This is for families. So this is for parents and children. This is a ministry that pastor Karen has a vision, uh, for training families to reign in Christ. And, you know, I was thinking about in the book of Genesis when God gave Adam the dominion mandate. He said, uh, let us make man in our image and let them, not him, family is God's design for dominion. And uh, so you want to come and be trained in that. Anybody that has kids, uh, bring your kids, but be sure and get signed up so they can know who's who all's coming? That is this Friday night at 6:30. That'll be in the Area 51 building. That's our student ministries building up on the hill, the big black building. And then also this Sunday, the LC Heat three-on-three basketball tournament. Now I played on. I played in that last time. I'm I'm not going to be playing in it again this time. <laughs> I already proved to myself that I could do it. I didn't say well, I just said I could do it. So I, I lived through it. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I know Corey needs, he deserves someone better on his team. <laughs> so listen, it's $45 for a team of three people. If you have somebody that wants, that you want to play with, you can sign up for that. But also spectators are welcome. We had a lot of people that stayed and just watched, and it was a really fun day. So right after service, it's going to start up here on our basketball courts. We want to invite you to stay and just watch, cheer them on. Uh, wish you were able to get out there, whatever, you know. It'll be a fun day, and it is a fundraiser for our youth ministry. So uh, we want to invite you to be a part of that. Also, Sunday, man, we have a power-packed Sunday. Also on Sunday, we're having water baptism. So, yeah, we're going to be celebrating uh, people's, you know, profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. And so we're going to be doing that during the service, during our transition time. We're going to be baptizing people. So if you've never been baptized before or if you feel uh, led to be baptized again, um, we want to invite you to do that, but please sign the list out in guest services so we can give you all the information that you need to be able to participate in that with us as well. And then Pastor's starting, I'm probably still in his thunder now, but he is uh, starting Disclosure, the brand new series this Sunday that I know people are anticipating. Um, 
come in, buckle your seatbelt, and be ready. So it's going to be good, but like he's told us before, we're not going to be just putting that out on YouTube and Facebook and stuff because they'll pull that stuff down. So it's going to be on our iCampus. That's iCampus.Lake-Church.com or at Lake-Church.com. You can see it there. Which leads me to something new that we have now. You've probably seen these QR codes all around. In fact, in front of you, where our giving envelopes are, you'll see some QR codes. The ones that have the website on them, they'll take you right to the website where you can watch messages. Some of them say give, and those you can scan those, and it'll take you right to the giving page. So you don't have to go to your browser and type it all in. You just scan that, it'll take you right there. So we did that to make it easier for people to be able to find their way to those giving platforms. And uh, so we're going to take up our offering right now. That's going to lead me into that. We're going to take up our offering, and our emphasis has been mission trips. I want to remind you that the Uganda ladies' trip heads out tomorrow. So be praying for them. They're going to be wheels up tomorrow, headed for Africa. And uh, we're expecting amazing uh, testimonies when they get back. But remember, we've been given toward that. Keep praying the whole time. We are to, to lift them up. We may not be going physically, but we can be there spiritually by praying. And Pastor Bob is preparing to go to the Philippines soon. So if you want to give to that, you can just put Philippines. If you're giving on an, with an envelope, cash or check, uh, you can just write Philippines on there. Um, we also have the app. You can go to the app. You can give that way. Those of you who are online, lake-church.com. And then we have the text to give. You can text the number on the screen right there and give as well. So I'm just going to pray over our offering. If you are giving with an envelope, see that handsome usher right back there with his hand raised up? Jerry Wagoner. He'll have the bucket at the door, <laughs> and you can just drop it in on your way out. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, your goodness. Thank you that you've invited us into what you're doing in the earth. Thank you that you give us opportunity to participate, Father God, in many different ways. But as we participate financially, Father God, I thank you that we are sowing seeds that come back to us multiplied so that we can increase our giving. Father God, we thank you that our giving goes toward making a difference in this world, advancing and expanding the influence of your kingdom, not only here in Manford and the surrounding communities, but even to the uttermost parts of the earth. We thank you for fruit that remains in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Greg. Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and begin to worship the Lord. Amen. It's always good to learn to worship the Lord without music. I love music. I love praise and worship. But you know, there's times when you're in situations where there's no praise and worship. You need to make your own praise and worship. Amen. Praise God. We can change the atmosphere by who is within us. So let's worship him. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise and glorify you today. We exalt you today, and we thank you for supernatural unction and strength. We thank you, Father God, that you are here and that you are moving in our midst and that you are corporately moving among us. 
bringing solutions and bringing health and bringing strength and bringing wisdom to your people today by virtue of the Holy Spirit who is within us, empowering us, strengthening us, causing us to rise up and overcome in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now what I what I sense what I what I sense in the spirit is that there's uh, there's things from this week or you know and it just is like it's on you like a coat. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It just kind of feels like there's kind of a a coat on you and it might be care, it might be something that's trying to overtake and overwhelm you. And uh, I just saw us beginning to shake that off in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And I believe it's going to go. So you just need to start shaking those. Come on, right now. Shake it off. Shake it off. In Jesus' name, be gone. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Be gone. Hallelujah. Oppression, leave. Depression, leave. Care and vexation of spirit, leave right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Spirit of heaviness, be gone in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, there, there, there are people that will say, well, that's just silly to do that. That's absolutely silly. You know, what does some, doing something imaginary physically have anything to do with what's going on in my situation. Well, basically what you're doing is you're interacting and releasing what God has on the inside of you. You're operating in the supernatural. And the supernatural is invisible. How how many realize that? It's invisible. So you've got to kind of go when God illuminates something in your heart to do something when your obedience to that Uh, Your physical obedience releases spiritual power. You understand what I'm saying? We got to get a hold of this, guys, because we're losing whole generations that don't understand how to flow in the fullness of the Spirit of God. They don't have any clue whatsoever because they're used to just sitting down and hearing messages and going on their way. And they don't understand that there's a well of salvation on the inside. There's wells of salvation on the inside. But they have to learn to release those things. So many times if I'll feel fatigued or I'll feel drained or I'll feel like there's an oppression that's trying to come on me, you know, many times I'll I'll start reaching out to the Lord. And you know what I'm talking about. You start reaching out to the Lord and you start looking for answers. And sometimes he'll just say, shake yourself. He'll say dance. He'll say jump. He'll say shout. And we'll say, well, you know, that's kind of strange and that's kind of weird. Well, basically, yeah, it is. It's absolutely. But we're called to operate in the realm of the spirit, which is different than operating in the natural. Amen? And so sometimes, you know, it might take a shout to get you out of the funk that you're in. It might take... A praise. It might take some kind of action on your part to get you off high center. 
Because what that does, it delivers you from you. Because you're keeping back. The devil can't keep God's spirit from coming out and moving. He can't do it. He can only keep you from being obedient to God and you become the stopgap. You become the dam, so to speak, that keeps that rivers of living water. Amen? You know, you need to just begin to see those rivers of living. Close your eyes, right? To begin to see those rivers of living water just bursting forth out of your belly and just, just beginning to overwhelm that care, that anxiety, that problem. There's someone here facing a financial problem. See those waters washing over that. Some of you are wrestling with condemnation, guilt, or shame about something. See those waters just begin to flow over that. Washing that, taking away its power, taking away its ability to manipulate and control your life. See that relationship, see the power of God going forth from your spirit out of your mouth as you begin to declare they will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. As you begin to declare my whole household shall be saved, as you begin to declare these things, You're releasing spiritual power. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I just, uh, I just see see this in my spirit that there, there are dam. You know what a dam is? We got one right up here. You know, it stops the flow. But did you know when they release that flow, what does it create? It creates electrical energy. You see what I'm saying? So there's a lot that are stopping the flow. You need to release that. Let it begin to flow into those situations right now in Jesus' name. Father, we just let it flow right now. We let it flow. We let the Holy Spirit flow through our lives right now, energizing us, giving us strength, helping us, aiding us, giving us wisdom. The wisdom is in the water. The wisdom is in the water. The provision is in the water. Come on now. The relational breakthrough is in the water. Your marriage breakthrough is in the water. Right now, your kids' breakthrough is in the water. Amen? It's released in the water. Praise God. Release that right now. Just say, Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me. I release that towards the situations and circumstances that I find myself in right now. I come against this fatigue right now. I I just sense there's fatigue, 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 fatigue. Right now, that fatigue is broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, in Jesus' name, be gone and leave. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. Just look up to heaven and just say, Father God, fill me fresh and anew. Fill me fresh and anew with your spirit, Lord. And just begin to bubble up. Begin to bubble up from on the inside. Begin to speak in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Make melody in your heart to the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Praise God. This is how you get filled up. This is how you stay filled up. This is how you stay empowered. This is how you stay edified. This is how you stay charged up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Overcoming power, overcoming power right now. Overcoming power. Praise God. You believe that? You feel better? Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. We're going to minister out of the book of Ephesians. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse number 17. It's important for us to understand how to operate as new creations. Many of us are still operating in old creation life. We're being self-sufficient. We're toiling. You see, we're living in an existence that we weren't supposed to be in. Man was not supposed to uh, fight for acceptance or love. Wasn't supposed to fight for community. Wasn't supposed to fight for these things. These things were inherent within the creation. It is sin that has come in and caused a barrier to these things. But Jesus in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and seated at the right hand of the Father, has purchased for you and I a new life. Amen? And that's what these verses that we're about to read are talking about. But just simply because we have the title deed of all that Jesus did right in our hands does not necessarily mean that we are experiencing that quality of life. And as he began to share with us in the chat, in the verses that we talked about last week, we talked about how that uh, the attitude of humility is vital and important to our walk with God. And that we must realize that we have been gifted by God. To be a part of the body and to fulfill a significant role in that body. And that we need one another. And that we can't really fully function unless we're with a group. And that's just the way we're supposed to be. You know, if you uh, put plants and, you know, you know, a lot of you do landscaping and stuff of that nature. I got a brown thumb. I mean, plants come to me to die. I'm a plant hospice. Okay? So, but when you put one plant in, you know, it kind of grows a little bit, but you put another plant beside it, another plant, it begins to thrive off of those plants. And it just begins to blossom and bloom. And that's the way we're created to operate in. We can only blossom the way that we're supposed to and bloom if we're planted next to other plants. And that is something that is a lie that's going through the body of Christ that I don't need to be a part of a church. 
I can hip-hop around. I can do whatever I want to do, attend these meetings, attend that meeting. And I run into people like that all the time. And they're never spiritually mature. They never fully mature. They know a lot of stuff. They've seen a lot of stuff. But they're not becoming a lot of stuff. Come on now. So he begins to come into what we would call the practical part of this letter. And he begins to talk about fivefold ministry gifts and their importance in your life. Now, there is strong resistance in the body of Christ against fivefold ministry gifts. And there are two preceding deceptions that are prevalent in the body of Christ right now. The one deception is, is that fivefold ministry doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. We're all ministers. Well, there's a truth to that. You all are ministers. But God has set some in the body. To be ministers of ministers. To help and assist and cultivate and equip. And those are by God's selection. Not by the person or not by you. It's by God's selection. Okay? And then there's another thing where we begin to see the fivefold ministry as basically royalty. We see them as superstars are people that we should look up to and be fanboys and fangirls of. Nothing could be further from the truth. These are servants of servants. Amen? And that is the way it should be. And if we, if we see a spirit that is upon a ministry gift that, that does not operate in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, then we need to resist that ministry. Amen? Hello. There are very gifted presenters of the gospel message. And there are people that can talk about God and not know him. Come on now. And they can put a title in front of their names. They can call themselves apostle. They can call themselves prophet. But the fruit has to be there. Come on now. So there's two fallacies. The fivefold ministry doesn't really matter because we're all ministers and I can hear from God just as good as they can. You're absolutely right. You can. As far as your personal life, you can. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that when I first got into, you know, being born again and I started getting into this Bible, I would read and read and read the book of Ephesians like we're doing. And I wouldn't, I'd mine out what I could. But it took a ministry gift to help me see it deeper and to see things I could not see. We are limited in our ability to perceive, know, and understand. And God has put ministry gifts within the church. Now, they're gifts. That means that they didn't come by this on their own. I cannot sit here and tell you I achieved this. And that's the reason why, don't get mad at me. That's the reason why there needs to be a resistance when you start seeing people with alphabets after their name. Talking about how much they have accomplished in their 
education because that doesn't mean anything. Because you can have a doctorate in theology and not even be called. Not even be saved. Hello. So, you know, when you run into the alphabet gang, you know, you need to you need to keep your spiritual perception up. And you need to judge the fruit of how they're preaching the word. Because many of them preach different things that are based upon their school of thought or their we need to follow the word of God for ourselves and we need to follow the Holy Spirit. And we need to have ministry gifts in our lives that produce the fruit. Amen? Amen? Love, joy, peace. They need to produce the fruit. Jesus said, you'll know them by their degrees. Is that what he said? No, he said, you'll know them by their fruit. And there's a lot of theologically educated people that do not like the body of Christ. And do not like people, nor care for it. They just dig the fact that they've got a piece of paper that says that they've went through such and such and such. Now, not all of them. Not all of them. There are wonderful doctors of theology that are, that are servants of the Lord. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes the systems of man can create an element of pride. And elitism in the body of Christ to where we actually believe that we're smarter and we're better and we're more educated. And that is not the spirit of Christ. Not one time do you think that Jesus knew some things. Come on now, that's not a trick question. Do you think Jesus knew some things? Well, praise God, he was God manifest in the flesh. He knew some things. But he never demeaned or condescended to anyone. And he said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life. That's the true essence of ministry. If what you're, who you're listening to does not exemplify that in any form or fashion, you need to pray about continuing with that ministry. Oh, I know this is rough, but it's the truth. Because we got a lot of uh, YouTube Come on now. You know, how many times I've heard this? Well, pastor on YouTube, I heard, you know, on YouTube, I follow this. Now, there's great people on YouTube. Okay? But we have to use discernment. Amen? What does the Bible say? Amen? So, he gets into the practical aspects of this. And he says in verse number 17, he says, Now this I say... And I testify or I give witness to the Lord. See, that's what he's saying. I give witness to the Lord that you must. Now, this is a command. This is a command. Now, he's told you who you are in Christ. He's shown you how to cultivate and bring forth that ministry by the gifts that you've been given. And by the ministry gifts that help cultivate and bring those things out. But he says you must no longer 
walk. That means to habitually walk in your manner of life, in your customs, in your traditions, and in, the, in, in your conduct. That's what he's talking about. That's what the word walk means. In your conduct, your daily life. He says you are not to walk as the Gentiles do. Now we established in the second chapter that the word Gentiles just simply means outsiders. So we are no longer to walk as outsiders. Now, what does Gentile mean? It's very important for us to to investigate this based on the Bible and what the Bible interpretation is. There is God's people and then there are the Gentiles. That was the Old Testament concept. It was Jew and Gentile. Gentiles represented the pagan nations of the world. Those that had rejected God at Babel and created nations under different theogenies, different gods. Okay? So he tells us that we, after telling us who we are in Christ, after explaining what Jesus has done for us, explaining all of this wonderful stuff that Jesus has done and who we are, and he says, listen, I, he says, I stand in, in testimony to Jesus that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, okay? So that means you can. That means even if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can walk as Gentiles walk. Amen? And notice he tells us what that is. He says, in the futility of their minds. Now that word futility, some translations use the word vanity. Okay, so that is, vanity is self-focus. I can tell somebody spiritually off when they're self-focused. Amen? When they're too self-aware. That they don't have an awareness of the things of God. They're just aware of their own situation and themselves. We call it narcissism in these days. It's just about me, myself, and I. And everything's about what I can get and what I can do. And that's the spirit of this age. And that's the spirit of those that are in the futility of their minds. Now, the word mind there is nuos. And it just simply means the thinking capacity of a person. So it basically tells you right there that the mindset of a Gentile or the mindset of someone who is outside of Christ is going to be vain. Another translation says purposeless. Okay? So they don't know what, how life is supposed to be lived. They are ignorant of true life. So everything is about consumption. Everything is about getting. Everything is about achieving and using energy and resources and time to get things that don't really matter. You understand what I'm saying? And there's a lot of believers that fall into that same category. They are operating in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. The word darkened there is very interesting because we we find, uh, if we'll go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's look over there. We can kind of see what this darkening, darkening is. 
in the fourth chapter of Second uh, Corinthians and verse number three, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled, everybody say veiled. veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds. And that's really what that darkening is. And it's not a darkening in the sense that it's pitch black. It's a darkening in the sense that it's, that it's obfuscated, that it's cloudy. It's like uh, if you've ever had a dog have a cataract and you begin to see that begin to, that myopia begin to take over that eye, it clouds the eye. It causes the eye to not see clearly. It may be able to see a blurred object but not see the full light and import of that object. And that's what the enemy does. And he does that myopia by distraction. Okay, so if I'm called to look at Johnny here and I'm supposed to keep my eyes on Johnny and that's the command that I'm supposed to have because Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the body. So I'm looking at that and as I look into what Jesus has told me to look into, I receive life. But if I get distracted and I look over here and and I look at Debbie, you see... I can see Johnny in, in my periphery, but it's not clear, okay? Now, the enemy wants me to turn my head and look at Greg over here, okay? So as I'm looking at Greg, I'm blinded. Yes. Come on. There you go. Come on. I'm blinded. That's so good. And that's what he does. He gets our eye off of what's important Amen. and gets us distracted and looking at something that blinds us to what he has done in our lives. Amen? Amen. And so he can do that with symptoms of the body. The Bible says that when symptoms come upon us, the Bible teaches us in the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers to look to the cross, to look to the serpent on the pole, which is a type of Jesus. As we continue to gaze upon that, we're both forgiven and healed. Well, how do we look at Jesus today? We look at Jesus through his word. So as I continue to gaze upon Jesus, and I've got symptoms. These symptoms are getting me to turn and begin to look at something else. And as I look at something else, I'm blinded. Are you seeing this? See, they're understanding. Notice it says they're, they're, let's go back to Ephesians. Because there's too many of us that have been duped into operating this way. When we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. And, and it says he, they're darkened in their understanding. They're darkened in their way of perceiving and knowing. They're darkened in their ability to think clearly. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the reason why the Apostle Paul... In the first chapter, starting with verse number 16, he says, I'm praying for you that your eyes may be enlightened. If you look at uh, the King James Version, it says the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Amen? So we need enlightenment to come in and to guide the way. Otherwise, we're going to be in this myopia here. 
Amen? Okay. And it says, alienated from the life of God because of what? Ignorance. Ignorance. I'll tell you what, it doesn't pay to be ignorant. Ignorance can kill you. Dead. Amen. You see a wire on the ground that comes from a pole that's put up by an electric company and you don't know what it is and you go over there to play jump rope. Your ignorance has just killed you. Amen. Well, there are spiritual laws and spiritual things that people are ignorant of. The Apostle Paul said in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. When it comes to the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the church, did you know that he said the same thing? I don't want you to be ignorant of this stuff. But there are too many people that are operating in ignorance, and the Gentiles operate in ignorance that is in them. Notice the fallen condition causes ignorance to not just be about their mind, but it's in them. It is in them because they're alienated from the life of God. Yes. Amen? Amen? And then it says, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to what? Their hardness of heart. Amen? Jesus talked about hardness of heart. He said their eyes, they cannot see. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their heart is wax gross. It also talks about hardened, calloused. Actually, it's a word for fatty, fatty heart, a heart that, uh, that, that can't feel. It's got such a layer of calloused skin on it that God can't touch it. God can't manipulate it. God can't move on it. That's where the condition of the human heart is before Christ. He says, behold, I'll give you a new heart. Amen. He said, I'll take out that stony heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Yes. It's basically, if we look at it from the Hebrew, it's a heart that can be touched. See, they don't, you know, before Christ, you didn't have a heart that could be touched. Amen. Amen. You had a heart, you were alienated from the life of God, devoid from the source of life, and it couldn't be touched by God because of the sin nature. But praise God, Jesus, and his wonderful sacrifice cleansed and washed you from all sin, took that stony heart of flesh out from you, and gave you a heart of flesh. Amen? A heart that can be touched. Notice this. It says, due to the hardness of heart, they have become callous. Now notice this. And have given themselves up to sensuality. Now notice, those are two words that don't go together. Sensuality and callousness. Sensuality has to do with fleshly sensitivity. The ability to feel... And to be dominated by feelings. Okay? Sensuality has to do with the, basically, the amplification of the sensory realm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the Bible talks about this in in Romans chapter 8. It says, those that mind the things of the flesh... 
fulfill the desires and deeds of the flesh. Amen? So we have two types. We have the spirit-controlled mind, and we have the flesh-controlled mind. One is sensual. It is based upon sensory knowledge, and it can only perceive no things based upon the senses. And when he's talking about sensuality here, he's talking about excesses in sensuality, sexual sins, the need for gratification, the need for feelings of euphoria that are brought about by substances, that are brought about by practicing sin, that are brought about by continuing to look at pornography, continuing to, come on now, we have to talk about these things. But notice they become callous as they practice this sensuality. So that tells me this. There are things that I can do in my flesh, in my body, that are bondage to my spirit. But there are things that I can do from my spirit that are bondage to my flesh. And the secret is learning how to live where the flesh is brought into subjection. Because the flesh is going to be a problem for you the rest of your life. And you've got to make a decision because it's not redeemed. It has to be brought into subjection. It has to be brought into discipline. The Bible says that we are to present our body a living sacrifice. That means that every day we have to put it on the altar and say, I am dead. Because that's what the the flesh is dead. And that unlocks, I mean, locks down on our sensuality. So that means a dead man can't get offended. Oh, come on Dead man can't get angry. Dead man can't steal. Dead man can't lie. Come on now. See, when we operate with our flesh dead, realizing that this is dead in Christ, then we bring it into the sufficient bondage that begins to release what's on the inside of us. But if we do not harness the flesh... If we do not discipline the flesh, then it will suppress. And it's going to talk about grieving the Spirit of God. That's very important. We can grieve the Spirit of God by operating in this sensuality because we become calloused. Amen? How many ever found yourself in a backslidden condition? Everybody should, yes, say, yeah, I was backslidden once before. Okay. What was a backslidden condition? I was not no longer sensitive to the things of God. And in fact, I was callous towards those things. I didn't even want to show up to church anymore. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to do it. And when someone told me that they were touched by God, I rolled my eyes. Come on now. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But yet I am callous because I'm practicing something that is amplifying the sensory realm and sequestering the spiritual realm. Yeah. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So we can't walk as other as Gentiles do. We can't walk. Now, we have the ability to walk in that. You have the ability to go over into that. It says that they that mind the things of the flesh, you see, they bring about death. But if we mind the things of the Spirit, we have life and we have peace. Are you with me? Okay, now notice what he says. Are you getting anything out of this? Okay. He says, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn. Notice that word. Learn Christ. Christ is a school. Christ is a way of being and a way of doing. Christ isn't just your Savior. He's your Lord. He's your Master. And you have to learn of Him. Jesus even said this. I believe it's the 12th chapter of of Matthew. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking about the new birth right there. He's talking about being right with God. (coughs) He says, Take my yoke which is a type of his teaching upon you and learn of me and you will find rest. It's a different type of rest. See, we can have the rest and not be in rest. Amen. We can have the rest by knowing that we're right with God, but not be in rest. Where does that come in? Learn of me. See, we don't just stop at the altar. We don't just stop at the profession of faith. We don't just stop at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't don't just stop. There's a lot of people I've talked to them, you know. I say, well, you know... How is your relationship with Christ? Well, I got saved, and I talked in tongues once. And you know, I read that Bible once, you know. Well, you're not learning. Come on now. You're not learning. You've got to learn. Notice this. You've got to learn Christ. Amen? He said, I'm assuming that you have heard about him and were taught Notice this phrase, in him. See, you're getting taught in him tonight. When you pick up this word, you're getting taught in him. Amen? As the truth is in Jesus. Remember, Jesus said that. I am the way and I am the truth. Actually, he's basically saying this. He says, reality is in Jesus. So this basically sums up the first verses that we talked about because this existence that we have here in the 17th verse come down to the 21st, it's an existence that's an alternative reality. It is not real. It's not reality as man was intended to live. It's a reality that has come because of the fall. Amen? Okay, so let's look over at Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. 
One of my favorite scriptures is found in Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 3. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, notice this, to deliver us. And that word deliver is a Greek word that means a full and complete rescue, an absolute full removal. Let me say that again because I don't think you got that. When he came to deliver us, that means that he totally took us out of this. Amen. He totally took. What did he take us out of? From the present evil age. Okay. The present evil age. He lifted us out of the present evil age. And that word present is the word aeonos in the Greek. And it means a time period or a cycle of time. But no, but it also means this. It means characterized by a specific quality or type of existence. So it's not just you're delivered from the times that you're in. <coughs> you're delivered from the quality that is in that time of existence. That means that in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. That means that you're no longer held under the bondage of the present evil age. That word um, age is very important, or the word present. It means to place in or upon. So sin took us from one place and positioned us in another place. So if I was to take this cup and I was to drink of it, which I need one, and I fell from this, I would be here. Okay? I am placed in something I wasn't supposed to be. That This is the proper place for this cup. Not down here. But because of sin, we were placed in. And it's also placed upon, which means that there's a pressure to stay. Oh, come on now. This is what Jesus delivered us from. Not just a place, but the pressure to stay in that place. There are people that say, well, I I really want to live for God. And I've even asked the Lord into my heart, but I'm just in too deep. You don't understand. You weren't just delivered from the fall. You were delivered, come on now, from what was keeping you down. Amen. He didn't just rectify and forgive you of your sins. He also gave the ability to overcome sin by the destruction of the pressure that would keep you down. Amen. So many people have this idea that when man fell, that God did a work and took this and put this, he, he, he got us out and he just kind of put us right here. Not in the original position. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches 
that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus brought man back to the original position. Now, we could say this as well because we read it in this book. It's not only back to this position, but back to a more elevated position because we're seated with him in heavenly places. Amen? And that's the reason why the devil hates you is because you're in his seat. That's the seat he wants. And you're sitting there and you're replacing him and his hordes. You're becoming the sons of God and the daughters of God that will replace the fallen angels and in the fallen watchers. Okay? Now notice this. It says, present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Do you believe that? Okay. Let's look at Ephesians again. So he delivered us from the quality of existence that he described here. He delivered us from the pressure of staying down. Not just being down, but staying down. He's taken away all of that. See, we can... We can there's more in you than you could ever imagine, realize, if you're in Christ here tonight. Okay, now notice this. But notice we have to do something with this truth or this reality in Jesus. Because it's not just enough to say that I believe that Jesus is the reality. We have to live that reality out. Jesus, listen, you don't truly know something spiritually unless you experience it. And that's the reason why we have... Uh, religious institutions, churches, where there's a lack of experiential knowledge of God. There is a theological knowledge of God. There's a, you know, uh, a historical knowledge of God. But as far as experiential knowledge, many people will say, yes, I believe God heals. I believe God. See, I know God heals because I've been healed. I've experienced. I know God baptizes in the Holy Spirit because I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know God saves because I'm saved. Come on now. And it's the same with him delivering you in any, any situation of life when he gives you his wisdom to be able to make decisions that will alter your life. We begin to experience him. And you don't truly know certain aspects of the Scripture until you experience it. And we've got a lot of head knowledge, but no heart activity. Amen? And so he he gives us the key on how this is going to happen. He says this. He says, to put off. This is how we learn Christ. This is how we grow in Christ. We put off something. What do we put off? We put off the old self. Now, I hate that phrase because that's not biblical. Self is not biblical here. It's the old man. Amen? You need to get rid and put off the old man. Amen? You need to declare him dead and you need to put him off. Now, there's a lot of people that will just say, 
majority of their walk with God is about putting off, putting off. I'm just, I'm not doing this anymore, and I'm not going to do this anymore, and I'm not going to, they, they have a list of checks, you know, I don't go to R-rated movies, I don't do this, I don't do that, and their whole walk with God is based upon what they do not do. It's because they're imbalanced in the sense that they're constantly dealing with putting off. And if you don't do this whole process, you're not going to experience the learning of Christ that brings about his nature and his ability in your life. Because you are in a religious, performance-driven relationship when you are focusing on trying to please God by not doing things. Is that okay? Amen? Put off the old man. And notice what it says right here. It says, put off your old man which belongs to um, your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That word desire is the Greek word epithumia in the Greek, and that means a strong, passionate desire. It's lust, and it's deceitful. Your feelings and your desires for things can deceive you. Cause you to get into all kinds of problems. Well, I just feel I need to do this. And I feel, well, that should be a good indicator that you need to put some duct tape across your mouth. Have your spouse sit on you in the bed and dare you to get up. Get off your iPhone and stop updating your Facebook and Twitter feed and your Instagram with your junk. Hello. Because you can't afford it. You can't afford it. It will open all kinds of things in your life. You've got to put off. I mean, when someone offends you and makes you mad, you've got to, you've got to take care of business. You've got to say, Father God, I'm, I, I know I'm feeling hot. I know I'm feeling like I need to lash out. I know I feel like I need to text. I know I feel like I need to cuss. I know I feel like I need to fuss. I know I feel like I need to go and suck them right in the throat. But that's not the way of Christ. Amen? So if I have to lock myself in the closet, if I have to... You know, go for a drive far away from this individual. I'm going to do whatever's necessary to suppress my flesh so that I can hear your voice in this situation. And one of the best ways we do that is we release that to God. We release it and say, I forgive them. I release them right now in Jesus' name. Does that mean you're going to feel like it? Does that mean that you're going to feel all of, all of a sudden you're going to feel, oh, I'm just so glad. I love them. I just want to go over there and give them big big old kiss. No, you're not going to, your feelings are the last thing that's going to line up. Amen. You see, so your emotional state is based upon deceitful desires. Okay. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice that in the spirit of your mind, you've got to be renewed 
in the spirit of your mind. So we don't just stop by not doing it. How many have ever said that? I'm not going to do that again. How many have ever said that? And five minutes later, you're doing it. Come on now. Then, then you're saying, I am not going to do that again. And then the next day you do it. Well, I am not going to do that again. See, if you don't understand that there's a process that we're not just called to put off, but we're to renew our mind and then put on the new man. See, it's the renewing of the mind that puts on the new man. The renewing of the mind puts off the old man. The renewing of the mind puts on the new man. The renewing of the mind puts off the old man. How remember Lazarus in, in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John? Lazarus was brought forth back from death in corruption after four days. I mean, four days. He stunk. He was corrupted. He was, he was deteriorating. And the power of God came in and resurrected that man to where he was brand new. Now, he was brand new underneath grave clothes. So he was wrapped in grave clothes that had absorbed the decaying juices, if you will, of his dissolving body. And I'm sure it attracted some ants. And some other kinds of varmints. Come on now. So he comes out in those grave clothes. And he's got to kind of hop out. Because he's wrapped pretty tight. And Jesus looks to his disciples. And he says this. Loose him and let him go. Notice that he did not go over there and loose him. Jesus himself did not loose him. He looked to the church. Oh he looked to his ecclesia. He looked to his fivefold ministry gift. He looked to his ministers. And he said, you loose him and you let him go. Well, how are we going to loose him? Where's the first place you would like to be unbound if you are wrapped up from bottom to top? You're going to want your face. You're going to want your head loose to be able to see, to be able to come on now. And that's where it starts. If you want to get rid of the grave clothes in your life, you've got to get rid of them first in your mind. Hello. And there's, you know, and, and what the enemy wants to do is he wants to continue to remind you of those grave clothes and even redress you. Redress you. And the only way that you can resist that is by putting off the old man. Now, notice this isn't going to be a one-time thing. This is going to be something you're going to wrestle with the rest of your life till Jesus splits the sky. You're going to have to resist the bandages of the fallen life. You're going to have to say no. But see, some people, they like their bandages. They like the blood that spilled on them. They like the sweat that spilled on them. They like the tears that spilled on them. Well, you don't know what I went through. You don't know my testimony. There's people that are so wrapped up in their testimony, they can't even operate in newness of life because they're back. 
Hello? You know, you need to get past your testimony and start testifying about Jesus. Guess what? You know, some people's testimonies glorify them. <laughs> they tell you how bad they were, and you kind of feel bad, you know. Well, I wasn't that bad. My, he's, he's got a real good, she got a real good testimony. She was, she was nasty. What about me? You know, I don't, you know, you kind of feel sad. You don't have testimony. You were never in jail. You never, you know, never, you know, come on now. And, you, you know, people say, well, how did Jesus save you? Well, um, well, I just went to a service and I heard and, you know. Well, that's a great testimony because we're testifying of Jesus. We're not putting the focus on ourselves. But some people, they, they'll go around church to church and tell, come on now. Your testimony has to transition from you to Jesus. Oh, I know that people don't like that, but it's the truth. The older you get, it needs to be more about Jesus and less about you. Come on now. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I've known Kevin for many years now. Going on, you know, we knew each other in high school somewhat. But, you know, in the 12 years that we've known each other and worked closer together, I've never once, he'll tell you where he came from, but he never emphasizes it. Because, see, some people, they think they get opportunities by having this great testimony. Hello. You know, we've had people that come in, they were ex-warlocks, and ex, and that was the basis of their entire ministry. Oh, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. That's the basis of their entire ministry. It wasn't about the Lord. It's about their past. It's about, come on now. The Apostle Paul, he, 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 he declared his testimony two other times in the book of Acts. That's over 30 to 50 years of, 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 of existence of the church, and he only spoke about it two other times. Oh, come on. Come on. I'm not saying your testimony don't matter because we need to understand it. But Jesus needs to be the, the hero. I said Jesus needs to be the hero. Amen. Not you. Oh, come on now. I better get over here, brother, over here where some empty seats are. Because people get mad about that stuff. Because they find their identity in their testimony rather than in Christ. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So we got to put off the old. We got to resist those grave clothes. You ain't putting them on me no more. When the enemy comes in, he says, you know, you get offended by somebody. What's he saying? He's saying, look at that. You remember what they did to you? You remember what, you know, someone might do something that's like something that happened in your past. He'll bring up those clothes and say, you know what? People reject you and they'll always reject you just like they did. You know, get, you know and, and people will begin to wrap themselves back up. No, we've got to get renewed in the spirit of our mind. We've got to renew our mind to the word of God and realize that, praise God, those grave clothes aren't for our good. And I'm not wearing that stinky stuff anymore, and I'm not going to let other people smell it either. Amen? And I'm going to put on the new man. 
Because as I renew the mind, I put off the old and I put on the new. I put off the old and I put on the new. Amen? All right. Okay, are you still with me? It says, after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice this. When we put on Christ, we're putting on the likeness of God. Is that not what it says? In black and white? We put on the likeness of God. Amen? Now notice what he says. Now he begins to tell us several things that we're to put off. And they get a little seedy. They get a little close to the quick, if you know what I mean. It says, therefore. So in light of this, when you see the word therefore, you need to know what it's there for. It's the preceding verses. Therefore, having put away falsehood or lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Okay, so deceit, not being truthful, not being open with one another. That's something that needs to be put away. Hello? It's your quiet in this Presbyterian church. Amen? Okay. Notice it says, be angry. Now, notice it's not a sin to be angry. Anger is a good motivator. Come on. How many got angry and changed some things? Some things are going to change around this house. How many ever heard that? It's usually when you're angry. Come on. It's a motivator. It's good. He says, be angry, but don't sin with your anger. That means that when I get angry, I can't cuss Bob out. Or if Leela makes me upset, I can't take it and, and viciously harass her with my anger, with my voice, or with my actions. I can be angry, but I'm not going to yield to sinful anger. Amen? And then it says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, this is, there's twofold, you know, many uh, different expositors will tell you that this has to do with the fact that, you know, you should never go to bed angry. And there's some truth to that. But basically what it's saying is, just like Joshua, when he was fighting the, uh, uh, the enemy, he commanded the sun to stand still. So that he could finish the job. So basically what he's saying is, finish the job. If someone's offended you, finish the job. If something is bothering you, finish the job. Pray through. Repent. Finish the job. If you feel like you need to call somebody and apologize, finish the job. If you feel like somebody needs to apologize to you, finish the job. Don't go to bed with it. Come on now. Don't say, well, I'm manana, manana. You know, that's French for tomorrow. You didn't know I was bilingual. Amen. Putting it off. The more you put it off, the more it seeds. And it festers. And you get all 
bent out of shape and you get convoluted and you get into exactly futility of mind. Come on now. Hello. Darkened understanding. How many have ever lost it? Look straight ahead. How many ever just lost it, man? You just lost it. You just knew you lost it. And as you were doing it, you saw yourself in the third person. And you said, I am losing it. I have lost it. This is wrong. But you continue to hurl insults. You continue to punch that wall. You continue to act in a manner unbecoming. And you see it. You see it in. You were in a darkened understanding. Then after you get through. And you take a deep breath. And you cool yourself down. And you start talking it out sensibly. You begin to realize. Why did I think that? Have you ever done that? How did I fall for that hello I feel like El Stupido you know it's one of them Homer Simpson dough moments okay notice that we've got to not give the devil any place he says don't give opportunity the word opportunity there is the word uh, topaz in the Greek which means topography Don't give the devil real estate. How do we give the devil real estate in our lives? We give him real estate by being a liar. And by being in sinful anger. Amen. Then he goes on and says this. Let the thief no longer steal. Come on now. Don't look at me so self-righteous. But rather let him labor. Now notice this. He had, there's, a, there's a transition here where the thief no longer um, operates in, in, in uh, stealing for a living. But he does giving for a living. Amen. So you have to replace it. You have to replace it. A thief takes to live, but a new creation gives to live. Okay? All right? So then he goes on and he says, so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. So instead of taking and stealing from someone, he he lives to give. And he gives to live. See, that's the new creation way. Now, notice this. Here we go. Here we go, guys. How do we give the devil place? Let no corrupting talk. And that word corrupting isn't about F-bombs and this stuff like that. Come on now. Although we shouldn't be doing that either. It's talking about worthless, rotten words that mean nothing. Remember, Jesus said, every idle word, come on now, every idle word will be judged. Are you with me? 
But notice that idle just simply means unproductive. See, there's a lot of stuff we say to our spouses that is unproductive. Come on. Worthless talk. If you're a new creation, you understand that your words matter. And that you should be selective with the use of your words and that you should not talk in a worthless way. Hello. That's where the enemy wants to get you in all kinds of slang. He wants you to get in all kinds of, you know, various sayings that are not steeped in the word of God because he wants you to continue to sow a harvest in the soil of your heart and in the soil of others. And that's weeds that grow up and choke the word of God out of our lives. Worthless, unwholesome, rotten, stinking words like I'll never make it. I always lose. Or they will just reject me like they always do. Always and never should never be. Yeah, I just said it. (laughs) Always and never should not be a part of your vocabulary because they are only the language of an infinite being, not a finite being. You have a beginning and you have an end. The only person that should talk and say the word never and to say the word always is God himself. Amen? Okay. All right. Let's go. Don't let any wholesome come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up or edifying. So we need to be people that use our words to build up things, build up people. Build up ourselves. Come on now. Build up ourselves. Speak the word over ourselves. Build ourselves up in the word. Amen. Amen? I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. These These are good things. Okay. As fits the occasion... That it may give grace to those who hear. See, we need to have words of grace. Someone comes and they mess up. You know, it doesn't mean you don't address that and say, hey, you know, since you were having some trouble there, and you know, what's the problem? But there should be grace to that. You want to know why? Because if the truth be known, you mess up too. Amen. And do not grieve. I'm getting to this. I've got to finish this before we quit here. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now that word greed means to bring to deep grief. To deep emotional pain. God has emotions. God has emotions. And he can be grieved. Now this is a grieving in the sense that you know we're doing something. We're suppressing We're doing something and it just grieves him. It's a deep grief. It's a severe sorrow. And it's like, (coughs) excuse me, it's likened to the pain of childbirth. That's what the Greek word means. Now there's another word for grieve that's used in the third chapter of Hebrews 
where it talks about the people that came out of the Egypt and would not go into the promised land, he says, whereby I was grieved. And that's another word that means offended. <laughs> you mean God can get offended? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. He has emotions. We're created in his likeness and image. God has emotions. Amen? You know, his anger lasts but for a moment, but his grace and love and mercy a lifetime, it says in the word of God. Amen? But God gets grieved. The Holy Spirit gets grieved. When we're not living right, when we're not doing right and walking in a worthy manner, when we're walking as mere, as mere men, as Gentiles, it grieves the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Now, there's another uh, scripture in 1 Thessalonians where it tells us to quench not the Spirit. Now, that word quench the Spirit is not grieving the Spirit, but it's actually suppressing it. And putting it, you know, in some kind of sequestering or, 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 or not allowing him to flow and express himself in your life. We can quench the Spirit of God. We can grieve the Spirit of God. We grieve the Spirit of God when we lie. We grieve the Spirit of God when we work in sinful anger. We grieve the Spirit of God when we steal from one another. We grieve the Spirit of God when we speak unwholesome and worthless talk. Then he goes on and says this, Let all bit Now notice he's going to tell you exactly what these things that grieve the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you add to the list here. He's going to say, By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, that grieves the Spirit of God, and wrath, that grieves the Spirit of God, and cla- anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Oh, this is real good. Amen? Along with all malice. And notice it says, be kind to one another. It doesn't say be nice. There's a big difference between nice and kind. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Amen. 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 See, when we don't forgive one another, it grieves the Spirit of God. When we walk in bitterness with one another or we're infected with a root of bitterness, it defiles us and defiles others. It grieves the Spirit of God. See, we need to stay away from these things. And just because we're born again and filled with the Spirit of God does not mean that we're resisting these grave clothes because that's exactly what these are. We have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Come on now. And put off these things. And by putting them off and renewing our mind, we put on some. So you have to replace what you're putting off. You understand what I'm saying? When it comes to the renewing of the mind, mentality, mindset cannot be erased. It has to be replaced. You understand that? Amen? Did you get anything out of that that helped anybody? 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our Bibles, lift our hands. Father, we just thank you for your word. We give you praise. We give you glory for your holy, precious, and written word. We thank you that we bury it deep within our hearts, and we know that we will receive a harvest from the word spoken tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you need something from the Lord, we're going to have ministers right up here at the end of service when I close the service. And and don't walk out without your need met. Amen? Praise God. You're dismissed tonight. We'll see you Sunday.